Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Peak Tea. If you're interested in tea and you want antioxidants to fuel your body, Peak Tea is the way to go. This is something I drink on a daily basis. And it's one of my favorite companies because their teas are super pure and made with powerful concentrated superfoods. And I want to tell you about their fasting teas. Now, you guys know I'm huge on intermittent fasting for all the ways it supports my energy, digestion, and immune health. Peak makes a ginger green fasting tea that's just out of this world. And their bergamot black tea is made with bergamot from Calabria, Italy. They even have a caffeine-free cinnamon tea that my whole family loves. This is the tea that I'm mostly drinking is the cinnamon herbal fasting tea, which has burdock root, cinnamon, bergamot, and mint. Burdock's great for lymphatic system. Cinnamon is so good for blood sugar stability. These have been formulated by my friend, Dr. Jason Fung. He is the world's leading expert on intermittent fasting. So they're really incredible for curbing cravings and managing your appetite. My fasting windows just fly by. Sometimes I forget that I'm fasting at all. Even when I'm not fasting, they provide this powerful mix of antioxidants and herbs like ginger and mint that support digestion and satiety, you know, that feeling of fullness. If you ever fall victim to to a snack attack or you have cravings, I tell you, these teas are a secret weapon. I drink peak tea every day and I feel amazing. My energy, my digestion, this stuff is so much more than tea, and they have 20 different flavors. So I'm sure you can find something that you're, you enjoy. They deliver concentrated antioxidants to support healthy immunity, digestion, and weight management. They use a cutting edge cold crystallization technology that extracts the active ingredients in superfoods at their maximum potential. That's what makes them so unique. They also triple toxin screen all of their herbs to get rid of pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic molds. So you get pure benefits with no junk. I know a lot of people are concerned when it comes to tea about some of these contaminants. You can rest assured that Peak has gotten all of this stuff out of there. They also dissolve in seconds in cold or hot water. So it's easy to drink on the go. You can add them to smoothies. I mean, it's just zero prep. And they're delicious. Peak actually won three gold medals at the Global Tea Championships for their quality and their flavor. They have 15,000 five-star reviews. I mean, that's a lot. More than any tea brand in the market. They also have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. So you either love it or your money back. So guys, go to peaktea.com. 
com slash jockers, J-O-C-K-E-R-S. Go there right now. You'll get 5% off your first order. Now, Peak hardly ever offers discounts, so you don't want to miss this exclusive offer. So that's 5% off at peaktea.com slash jockers. So you just, it's spelled P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A dot com slash jockers, my last name, J-O-C-K-E-R-S. So try that out, guys. I know that you're going to love it. Remember, Peak Tea is the T for radiant health. So this interview is a part of a series I did called the Fasting Transformation Summit. And in this summit, I interviewed the top experts in the world when it comes to intermittent and extended fasting and autophagy and self-healing. Now, these interviews were originally done in 2019, but the information is extremely relevant today. And this expert, as you will see, really has a great knowledge of this topic and will give you guys so much value. Now, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review. Your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives with this podcast. And take a moment and subscribe to our channel. That way you get instant notification every time we put up a new podcast. Thanks so much for doing that. And I'm honored to share this information with you guys. Welcome everybody to the Fasting Transformation Summit, where we are uncovering the most ancient, inexpensive, and powerful healing strategy known to mankind, fasting. I'm your host, Dr. David Jockers, and today we're talking about fasting and its role with inflammation. We're gonna talk about what inflammation is, how you can test for inflammation, different nutritional strategies you can do in order to reduce inflammation in your body. And we're also gonna talk about the role of fasting and how it's able to downregulate certain genetic pathways associated with with inflammation and just keep inflammation under control in your body. And so our guest for this topic is Dr. Peter Osborne, who is the clinical director of Origins Healthcare in Sugarland, Texas. And Dr. Peter, I brought him on for this because when I think about inflammation, I think about Dr. Peter Osborne. He's really an expert in this area. He has the best-selling book, No Grain, No Pain. He's referred to as a gluten-free warrior, and he also travels around the world, serves on many different uh, advisory boards like Functional Medicine University and the American Clinical Board of Nutrition. And his practice is centered on helping, helping individuals with chronic degenerative and autoimmune problems using natural methods. And so, Dr. Peter, thanks so much for joining us for the Fasting Transformation Summit. It's great to be here, Dr. Jockers. I'm happy to contribute. Absolutely. And so, Dr. Peter, let's get started with really talking about inflammation. What are the symptoms that someone might experience if they have chronic inflammation in their body? What is inflammation? I mean, let's first start by saying that inflammation is not bad or evil. It's actually a necessary process in the body. And a lot of people have demonized it uh, unfairly so. I, I think differentiating chronic inflammation that is unresolved versus natural day-to-day inflammation. Inflammation is actually what our body does to break down old tissue, to break down old cells that are damaged, and to rebuild those new new cells and those new tissues. So we need inflammation, kind of like a wrecking ball, to tear down the old termite-infested house, right? We've got to have inflammation or a wrecking ball to knock that old house down so that we can build a nice new house that doesn't have termite infestation. So we use inflammation as a healing tool. The body uses that process. And so it's, it's less to do with uh, inflammation and more to do with chronic unresolved inflammation that is 
outpacing repair. So when inflammation outpaces your capacity to repair, then your tissues start to break down. We classify that as diseases. And uh, there are a host of different chronic degenerative inflammatory diseases. Some of the more common ones that people have heard about are heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune disease. These are what we would classically consider the chronic autoimmune, inf or not chronic autoimmune, but chronic inflammatory problems. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some symptoms that somebody might experience before they get the diagnosis along the way? Let's say they're you know, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. They haven't been diagnosed with anything, but they just don't feel good. What would be some symptoms they might have chronic inflammation? I mean, there are a lot. I mean, this is a, a big one because there's a lot of symptoms and different people will react in different ways. I mean, some people will experience chronic inflammation as brain fog or neurological problems, depression, uh, inability to think clearly. So it can affect a lot of people. It can affect their minds. It can affect their brain. For some people, they're going to experience it in the skin. They'll get diseases like eczema, psoriasis, uh, other inflammatory skin conditions like chronic acne. So um, you know, it can affect the skin. It can affect the liver, creating elevations in liver enzymes. Even though that person may not have, quote unquote, massive liver disease, when they go in and get their general blood work done, their liver enzymes are coming back a little bit elevated because their liver is slightly inflamed. For some people, they're going to experience inflammation in their bones, and it's going to lead to progressive bone loss. For some, they're going to experience inflammation in their joints. It's going to cause pain, muscular tightness. For some in their guts and in their intestinal tracts, they're going to have chronic gas or bloating or diarrhea or gastrointestinal-like symptoms, things like heartburn or reflux. So it, it varies from person to person. I would say generally as a rule of thumb, if you some, and, and I'm going to point something else out because some people don't know that they're inflamed because they've always been inflamed to an aggressive degree. So their normal is chronic inflammation. And so if you're experiencing symptoms of illness early on in life, I want you to understand that's not normal, right? Even though you may have already been or have been experiencing it your whole life, it's still not normal. And it's important to understand and try to get somebody to help you differentiate um, where that inflammation or where that problem could potentially be coming from or what could be causing it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's one thing to wake up and not feel great for one day, but when it continues to go on and on and on, right? You know that something's going on right there and you definitely want to get to the root cause. So what are some, some labs that you like to run in order to, to find markers for, what, what sort of biomarkers are you really focusing on when it comes to inflammation? Well, I like to be extremely comprehensive when I'm looking into lab for people. There are certain, I'll give the audience certain biomarkers that are simple to ask a doctor to run, something like an erythrocyte sedimentation rate or ESR, although you can get a lot of false negatives on a test like that. It's still one measure or one tool we have. There's another one called C-reactive protein. And I recommend if you're going to have your doctor run a CRP, C-reactive protein, that you have them run a high sensitivity CRP. It's just a little bit more accurate. It's going to catch inflammation where a regular CRP test may miss it. I'm also going to encourage people to have testing. There's a type of test called an MMP test, which is another marker or measure for inflammation. You can have your doctor measure something called tumor necrosis factor alpha, you can have your doctor measure interferon gamma. These are just different like biochemical markers for inflammation. Homocysteine is another good one. It's a, it's a marker that can indicate vascular inflammation as caused by B vitamin deficiencies. Homocysteine will elevate when we have deficiencies of folate, vitamin B12, vitamin B6, vitamin B2. So it's, it's kind of one of those markers that can give you more than just one piece of information. But ultimately, I want you to understand that inflammation is controlled in a large part by what we're exposed to, by what we eat, 
by how we sleep, by the nutrition that we receive from the food that we're eating. So if you really want to be accurate at assessing whether or not a person has the potential for creating a greater degree of inflammation than they are a greater degree of repair, you've got to check their nutritional status. So measuring vitamins, measuring minerals, measuring plasma amino acids, these things are very, very important because if a person, for example, has a deficiency in omega-3 fatty acids, omega-3 fatty acids are one of the primary regulators of the normal inflammatory response. And when they're low, a person makes more inflammation than what they need to do the same work. And so they become, again, they become uh, repair deficit in a sense. So you want to make sure and ask your doctor to measure your nutritional status, your vitamin D, your vitamin A, your zinc, your chromium, your copper, your B vitamins, you know, the whole gambit. There are about 40 different essential nutrients. And to me, if you're really going to truly assess inflammation at its core cause, you've got to measure nutritional status. Then you also want to measure things like food response because food can create inflammation. So having food measured is very, very important because you could be eating blueberries. I once had a patient who was terminal because of a blueberry allergy. A blueberry allergy, right, which is a healthy food. It's a superfood, but for this person, it wasn't. One man's food is another man's poison. So measuring food can sometimes be a very, very keen insight into what might be creating or triggering an inflammatory response or hyperinflammatory response. And we also have chemicals in the environment, so measuring those and avoiding those as much as possible. So taking common sense measures to avoid them, but, but if you want to measure them, you can actually measure food additives and food preservatives and food dyes and whether a person is reacting to certain things that might be in their cosmetics or their shampoos or their soaps or their detergents. Because again, a lot of these products can be natural, but if you're reacting to them, then, and then it could be, you know, it could be a, a source of creating inflammation. So not just measuring the outcome, which is the inflammation, because then you have a question mark, right? I'm not a fan of saying, hey, you're inflamed, but not having the answer as to why you're inflamed. You know, because having a positive CRP test, which shows inflammation, doesn't tell you why the inflammation is there. So instead of stopping at you have inflammation, let's, let's instead say you have inflammation and these are the reasons why. So if we can measure chemicals, if we can measure food, if we can rule out infection and we can rule out vitamin and mineral deficiency, then for most people, those are the big causes for why the inflammation might be there. So I recommend, highly recommend looking into those things as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to get to the root cause and solve it from there. Not just see if there's inflammation, but uh, you know, clearly that's a, that's a huge topic in today's society. It's just getting to the root cause of chronic inflammation. And so what sort of lifestyle strategies can people start to apply to reduce inflammation in their body? There's, I mean, there's a lot of strategies and these strategies are generic, but for most people they're going to work. Yeah, and one of the strategies is certainly making sure you sleep adequately. Uh, inadequate sleep is one of the biggest triggers for aggressive stress hormone release that can, you know, causes a cortisol elevation that can make blood sugar problems worse and that can cause and trigger an inflammatory response. So lack of sleep is a big one and sleep is free. All you have to do is set up a habit around going to sleep at the right times. Even if you consider yourself to be a night owl, humans need sleep between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., and preferably longer on either side of that 10 to 2 block. But it's a very, very important time frame to make sure that you're sleeping. Regular sunshine, because it helps you produce melatonin. Melatonin is an anti-inflammatory. A lot of people don't realize that. It helps with sleep, but it's also an anti-inflammatory. Sunshine also allows you to get vitamin D in a natural way. And vitamin D is an anti-inflammatory. It, it helps regulate the immune system's response. So when you have an over-aggressive immune system, like in the case of autoimmune disease, that can actually be caused by vitamin D deficiency, which can 
be overcome and it's free, it's free, right? It can be overcome by just taking and making an effort to get out in the sun on a consistent basis. Again, the rule there is use common sense. Don't go out and burn. Go out long enough that you can tolerate it without burning, but get it on a regular daily basis and know that any SPF, any sunscreen greater than SPF 8 is going to inhibit your skin's capacity to produce vitamin D. So it's very, very important that if you are trying to get that sun, that you're not just lathering up immediately before going out. So sunshine and sleep, are those are both free. Eating real food. Now, now some people can be allergic to real food, and that's okay too, but, but it's a great first step that doesn't cost you anything. It's just not eating processed packaged foods and sugars, uh, not eating the hydrogenated fats. You know, these are just very basic, very, very simple things that if you abide by the rule of eating real food, getting plenty of sleep, making sure you get adequate sunshine and drink plenty of water, you're going to go a long way to helping normalize an inflammatory response in the body. And again, those things don't cost you anything. Now, if you, if you want to talk about things that can be more dialed in, we can get into that. But I wanted to give the audience some things that they can take home right now today and start applying. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I mean, just the low-hanging fruit, really optimize your sleep. I, I, you know, I've heard that for every hour of sleep you get before midnight, it's equivalent to three hours of regenerative sleep after midnight. You just get such a greater boost in human growth hormone production, which is so good for your circadian rhythm. So yeah, good sleep, getting out in the sun on a regular basis. I'd also add in just going out and grounding, getting your bare feet on grass, dirt, sand, maybe hugging a tree or something like that. Just getting out in that healthy electromagnetic frequency from, from the earth can be so healthy and healing and really doesn't cost you anything, which is, you know, one of the profound things we talk about with fasting. And we'll go into that in a second. Now, when it comes to an anti-inflammatory nutrition plan, I know you specialize in that. Uh, obviously, it, can be, it, it, it needs to be customized for everybody, but what's kind of the, the, the base template you use for that? The biggest triggers that I've seen clinically over and over and over and over again, number one is chemicals in the food. So avoiding food dyes, food preservatives, and avoiding processed foods, especially those that are genetically modified or that have pesticides, herbicides, and other residues in them. So making sure you buy real, again, going back to real food as rule number one, but real organic food. And it's sad that we have to say that, isn't it? To say yeah. that the food that you're going to eat needs to be like not contaminated and then it costs more to not contaminate your food. But that's where we're at in our world. So Buying real, whole, organic food is step one. Now, there are certain categories of foods that we see that can create a lot of inflammation, and one of them is the family of grains. And uh, there are several reasons why. Some people, um, some people think that the only reason why grains create a problem is because of the glyphosate, and the glyphosate is certainly an issue, but it's far deeper than just glyphosate. Many grains, you know, we've got gluten, and many people are gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant. But we've also got grains, the way they're stored and the way they're produced have a tendency to harbor mold and mycotoxins. And many people are allergic to mold and mycotoxins aren't good for anyone. A lot of your grains, if you're over consuming them, most people are. A food guide pyramid in this country is a solid base of grain, right? And when you over consume grain, you're over consuming omega-6. So eating too much food with omega-6, high levels of omega-6 fatty acids, skews the balance of omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acid ratio and favors toward the side of inflammation. So those are just some of the qualities about grain as a whole that can contribute to inflammation. But then you've also got uh, within the other food categories, I won't harp too much on grain because you can read No Grain, No Pain, and there's you know 300 medical references in that book that can, that can really guide you in a much more specific arena. But dairy is another big one. Dairy, we were bombarded from youth you know, dairy, grain and cereal, right? 
Yeah, pour the milk on your cereal. And the milk, the problem with the milk is the cows. It's what the cows are being fed. Cows are not designed to eat grain that are contaminated with pesticides and mycotoxins. It doesn't make a healthy cow. So when you take an unhealthy cow and milk it, you don't get a healthy milk product, especially when you're also adding things like recombinant bovine growth hormone and you're, and you're creating a miserable lifestyle for that animal. Just think about yourself. If we locked you away, away from your family and away from your friends and, and kind of isolated you, you would not be a happy individual. And those farm animals on those scale factory farms are not healthy and they're not happy. And that's part of the reason why. You can't take... You can't extrapolate a healthy food from an animal that's in poor health. And so dairy, aside from that, a lot of the way that it's processed, the microbial transglutaminase or meat glues that are added to dairy as a thickening agent can actually make the dairy protein look like gluten. So for people with gluten sensitivity, we get this cross-reactivity between dairy. Even if it's grass-fed dairy, it can still be processed with meat glue, and that can still create this type of reaction. So for many people, dairy is just, a, it's just out. It's a big no-no. Another one is, is the obvious, is sugar. Uh, corn sugar, cane sugar, beet sugar. Those are the three primary forms of sugar made in the U.S. I'd say today in the U.S., predominantly it's corn, corn syrup or, or corn fructose, if you will, high concentrated, high fructose corn syrup, which is very detrimental to the liver. And remember, the liver is a, is a very important organ in how it helps us deal and cope with toxins and inflammation. So if you're eating a lot of processed sugar that's kind of tying the liver and its resources up, it really is going to impact and affect the way that your body can, can take care of inflammation. So dairy, grain, and sugar, three big food groups for, for most people that I see that are struggling with chronic autoimmune conditions. And we can throw in or tag in there too the nightshades, things like eggplant and tomatoes and potatoes. Many people react to this and not all people, but many people do. So it's a category that generally speaking that uh, for many people, going nightshade-free along with grain, dairy, and sugar-free is very, very helpful at mitigating chronic inflammatory processes. Yeah, it's a great overview, Dr. Peter. And so let's talk about fasting. How does fasting help to heal leaky gut? Maybe you could talk a little bit about leaky gut and how fasting can help to reduce stress on the gut and reduce chronic inflammation overall. So think of, you know, a lot of doctors will make the claim that all disease ends and begins in the gut. And although I agree with that to a large extent, it's not always true. But we, we do start from the premise of what goes in, right? What goes in the mouth is what your body can take as a resource to use in the maintenance of the frame. So your body needs that fuel, the carbohydrate, the fat, the protein, the vitamins, the minerals, the other plant-based phytonutrients and chemicals. Your body uses those fuels to heal to repair, to maintain itself, right? To go about the, the, the normal daily business. And so what happens with many people is they're eating food from the sugar, the dairy, the grain, and those foods are very low in vitamins and minerals. They're very low in micronutrients. And so what they're actually doing is they're eating a food that's high in calories, that's low in nutrients, and their body's not getting the nutrition that it needs to deal with the day-to-day. -day. So slowly what happens over time is the more that happens, the body loses its capacity for repair. So things start to slowly break down. And, and when things start to slowly break down, how do we fix them? Well, we need vitamins and minerals and nutrients to fix them. But if we're not eating the foods that contain adequate quantities of those things, then that, that repair, can, that disrepair continues on. Now, one of the other fundamental mistakes people make is they overconsume. So not only are they eating poor nutrient-dense foods, but they're eating too many of them. They're eating too many calories as a whole. And when we look at dairy and we look at grain, which are the two predominant staple foods in the United States diet, 
both of these, even if you took them in their healthiest versions, are still relatively hard for the human digestive tract to process. You know, there are proteins in grains like amylase trypsin inhibitors, there are proteins like gluten and lectins that are hard to digest. And when you're, when 80, 70, 80% of your calories is coming from food that's a burden on the gut, that, that puts a huge burden on the gut, and that food is not providing vitamins and minerals, which would actually help the gut deal with that burden, then what happens is you create a scenario in the GI tract where it's an overwhelm. So too many calories, not enough nutrients, too many foods that are hard to digest. And now we have this overwhelmed situation. Let me give you an analogy. It's kind of like, imagine you go home from work every day and uh, you, you, know, you, you cook your food and you prepare everything and you eat, but you never do your dishes. So the dishes just keep mounding up in the sink and eventually they start spilling out of the sink. And before you know it, you've got critters running around eating the debris of the food because you're not taking care of it. You've got a huge mess in your house, all because you just didn't do the dishes, right? That's what happens in the gut. When you put too much in and you don't have normal housekeeping, okay, then the gut becomes so overwhelmed that it breaks down and now it can't process anything. And that's, you know, you hear the term leaky gut. That's basically what happens. The gut's overwhelmed and those gaps or those seals in the gut lining start to break open. And now all that junk, all that debris, all that stuff that's not good for you has access to your bloodstream and to your liver immediately. And remember that, that your gut's supposed to be a quarantined tube. From your mouth to your anus, your gut is a quarantine zone, and its job is to separate good from bad, poop out the bad, keep the good, not to hold on to everything because it's overwhelmed, and then spring a bunch of leaks and allow all the bad and the good in. And that's where that chronic inflammation comes from. So if we're setting the stage for chronic autoimmune disease, that's most people's scenario. They overeat. They overeat foods that are highly caloric but low in nutritional value and hard to digest. And so they create a complete disruption of their gut lining and their, their gut's purpose. And now they have basically bacteria poop, viral poop, yeast poop, and, and, and food poop debris leaking into their bloodstream and now their liver becomes overwhelmed and then their skin becomes overwhelmed and it's just a big mess. So yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So where fasting comes in is you're letting the gut take a vacation, right? So another analogy, if you go to work and your boss says, you know, thanks for working your eight hours today, but I need you to stay another four hours. And you're like, I'm tired, but you stay anyway, right? And then at, at 12 hours, your boss comes up and says, you know what? I'm going to need you to pull a 24-hour shift. And you're like, well, okay, I got to feed my family. I got to get... So you stay that 24-hour shift, and then your boss comes back at you and says, you know what? We're just going to need to keep you on for the next two days. And every time you think you're going to get a break, you don't get a break. And so eventually what happens is your energy, your, your mental prowess, all of that just fundamentally breaks down and then you can't function. And that's what happens to the gut. It's just been worked too long. So when we fast, we allow the gut to go home and get a good night's sleep, right? And repair itself and excrete and expel the waste so that it can take on the job of the next day. Yeah, I love that analogy. I always say it's kind of like if you're trying to heal from a broken ankle and you're walking on it all day, you're not going to heal, right? You got to get the crutches. You got to lay it up. Um, you got to get rest. And that's really what fasting does, helps to just reset and then enhance the healing process. Now, how can fasting help to reduce inflammation throughout the body too? Well, again, going back to the source of where the inflammation is coming from, if that source of inflammation is from a leaky gut, you know, you're taking away what's leaking into the bloodstream. 
So if what's leaking into the bloodstream is creating the inflammation when you're fasting, you're stopping that, it's a stopgap. You're stopping things from coming and leaking through. If that inflammation is coming from food, then you're stopping the intake of that food and therefore you're not creating those antigen antibody responses. You're not creating those inflammatory chemicals that the immune system, if the immune system perceives that food to be an enemy, that it would create. So fasting kind of stops any kind of food-induced inflammation. It stops any kind of leaky gut penetration. And, and that's where it can be the most effective in terms of why it causes a reduction in inflammation. Now, that's just the physical component of it. There's also a biochemical or more nerdy component, which is the effect that fasting has on a number of our hormones. So when we fast, one of the things that happens is it actually our insulin levels start to drop. And so many people are inflamed. And this is when you're inflamed, you gain weight. Obesity is actually, um, it's not healthy. I don't care who you are, how comfortable you are in your own skin. If you are overweight and obese, it is an inflammatory disease that is going to slowly dwindle away at your health. So if you have um, chronic elevations in insulin because you're over consuming calories, which is what happens to a lot of people, understand that insulin as a hormone causes visceral weight storage. It stores fat around your heart and around your intestines. One of the benefits of fasting is it reduces insulin and allows your body to tap into those inflammatory fats and burn them off as energy so that they're no longer increasing the inflammation around your heart and in your intestinal area. So one of the effects on fasting is that it will reduce your insulin level. Another hormonal effect of fasting is that it can actually elevate your mood. It can elevate your dopamine levels in your brain and in your gut because remember 60% of your dopamine is made in your gut. So fasting elevates dopamine which can enhance your mood and when we have an improved mood we have a greater capacity for energy, a greater capacity for exercise, a greater capacity to make healthy, healthier decisions because if your mood is depressed you tend to make bad decisions. You don't exercise, you don't want to go outside, you don't want to talk to other people and be social you kind of isolate yourself, and that's a very unhealthy thing to do. So fasting can elevate your mood and change your choices as a result of that mood elevation. Fasting can also help to restore neural synapses. So we have neural synapses in the brain. We have neural synapses in the heart. We have neural synapses in our gut. Our gut is what we refer to as the second brain. It has more neurons in the entire spinal cord. And so there are a couple of different hormones that are released when you fast that allow these neurons to communicate more efficiently and more effectively. And so again, without fasting and, and overconsumption of calories, you can bog those neurons down. They don't, they don't do as well. And that's why people get sluggish and constipated in their guts. And that's why they get sluggish and constipated in their mind. They can't think clearly to develop brain fog. Yeah, really good stuff. Really good stuff. And so what are some fasting regimens you've had success with using with your clients? Always start with what the client can tolerate, right? So um, especially women, because women can be more prone to having trouble fasting. And it doesn't mean that, that women can't fast. It just simply means you, you want to be careful that some women don't do well with fasting at all at first. And it's because of blood sugar dysregulation. If you're fasting, one of the hormonal responses is that your cortisol goes up when you're fasting. Cortisol is a hormone that's secreted by your adrenal glands, and it tells your liver to dump sugar into your bloodstream. It's, it's because you're, you're not eating, so there's no blood sugar, so your blood sugar drops, and that cortisol comes out to tell your liver to put sugar in your bloodstream. And some people who are under tremendous stress that already have adrenal fatigue don't do well when they fast. It actually causes a hyper or an exaggerated cortisol response, which causes weight gain and bloating, and it can cause more fatigue and more brain fog. So 
First step is if your blood sugar is good and if it's very well managed, so you can have your doctor run tests like hemoglobin A1C and fasting insulin and blood sugar levels. There are other tests like C-peptide. One of my favorite tests is, is an intracellular glucose insulin interaction test that tells us about how well your, your insulin and your sugar are, is communicating together. And then there are other, other types of things that you can do like nutrients that are involved in blood sugar regulation like chromium and zinc and B vitamins are important for for this. So if all that's dialed in, right, and you've got really pretty good blood sugar regulation, then fasting is a great tool. And I start people on a 16-8, a 16-hour fast with eight hours of eating. And, and this is not a caloric restriction diet. It is just simply a time restriction. We're, we're limiting the, the, the time that you eat your meals within an eight-hour frame. So that generally what that means is a very early dinner, and a brunch instead of a breakfast. So think of it as, as you, if you eat breakfast or if you eat dinner at 6 p.m. somewhere in that neighborhood and then you wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, you've already fasted for 12 hours. So you really only have another four hours to wait until that first meal. So that becomes sometime around 10 o'clock if you're eating a really early dinner. So that's a 16-8 strategy. I always start people there because I want to see how well they tolerate fasting. And if they do well with that a couple of days, we, if we really want to try to expedite the healing process, we can go into a 24-hour fast. And if we really want to expedite the healing process, where the real magic happens is in five days. Three-day fast can be pretty good because it, the, the, there are a number of different things that happen when you fast 36 hours. There are a number of different things that happen even greater when you fast 72 hours. And then when you get into the five-day parameter, what we see is massive what's called autophagy or autophagy which is your cellular debris, your broken cells, your old cells are rapidly being removed and being replaced. We can actually see in a good five-day fast a complete replenishment of the immune cells. And that's very important with autoimmune disease because if you've got all these circulating immune cells that are hyperactive and hyper-responsive, we, we want to clear those out of the circulation. But again, the problem with many people who are chronically ill is they can't yet tolerate a five-day fast. So start with a 16-8. Make sure before you do that, make sure that your blood sugar is being well regulated through a fast and has the potential to survive that fast without just creating a more of a hormone imbalance and problem with you. And then if you tolerate 16-8, try a 24. And if you tolerate a 24, you can go 48, 30, or 48 or three days and then expand that out if, you're, if you would like to. Again, I always make it, it's a, it's a voluntary thing because not everybody's capable of wrapping their mind around you know, wanting to go five days without food, but it can be very liberating, but it also has to, in my opinion, should be monitored and should be done strategically because if you go too long and you're trying to do too much, you can get yourself in trouble. So, so again, if you, if you want the ultimate fast, five days is where the actual magic happens in terms of resetting the immune system in autoimmune disease. But if you're going to attempt that, do it under medical supervision and make sure that your blood sugar levels are, are where they need to be and that you're capable of maintaining normal blood sugar without a hyper cortisol excretion. Yeah, super important. Really great suggestions there. And, you know, I'd also, I'd also say, hey, if you're going to do a fast, a longer fast, at least for the, the first time, first time or two, you're going to do that. Don't plan anything stressful during those days either. Plan to rest a lot. Plan to get out in the sun like you were talking about, trying to rest and sleep a lot. Um, you don't want a lot of stress when you're trying to do that because it's new. It's something new your body's got to adapt to. So it's a, it's a stressor of its own. 
your body's got to adapt to. You know, I'm actually in the middle of doing my fourth five-day fast. You know, like at this point, it's it's no problem, right? It's 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 been fairly easy for me. The first time I did it, it was like a little bit of a shock on my body. And so you you just like exercise, you got to get used to it, and you got to work your way up. So I love your strategy there, starting with that 16-8, um, and just seeing how you tolerate that first, and then going from there. So just taking incremental steps, I think, is super super important. And, Certainly, uh, especially if you have a major health condition, working with the healthcare provider on that is going to be very important as well. And so, Dr. Pierce, has been an incredible interview. You've given us just so much great information on inflammation, nutrition, uh, nutritional strategies for inflammation, leaky gut, and uh, really diving deep on fasting there. And so, what are some final words of inspiration that you want to leave with our listeners? And, uh, and also, where can people find out more about you? So, a couple of things. Number one, uh, I wanted to address just quickly some people who are underweight um, because that's that's one of those areas where they, they can lose more weight if they try some of these extended fasts. There's a strategy where you can use amino acids during your fast. And I would highly recommend that any of you who are worried about weight loss or underweight using uh, essential amino acids uh, as a supplemental during the fast, it will help raise your blood sugar a little bit, but it will allow you to give your gut a break, but it will also supply the building blocks for healing and repair. Um, so beyond that, seven strategies that I always recommend, we've talked about a few of them. Sunshine is free. Sleep is free. Exercise is free. Clean air is free. Water is free. Well, you kind of pay for water if you have a water bill, right? Um, and, and eat real food, right, which we talked about. And then the last strategy is you've got to be spiritually sound. And whether you're Christian or whether you're not, you've got to be around people who love you, who care about you. You've got to have supportive emotional relationships around you to get through and break through chronic illness. So those seven strategies are what I would leave the audience with. And if you are ever struggling in your health, just ask yourself, am I doing those seven things on a consistent daily basis or is there somewhere that I can improve? And if you want to learn more about what we do, uh, the No Grain, No Pain message, you can visit glutenfreesociety.org. We have an excellent, it's a gluten-free survival kit, free to you. You just go there, sign up for our newsletter. We'll send that free survival kit to you where you can dive deep on all the elements of how to go gluten-free properly, the pearls and the pitfalls of, of the gluten-free diet, et cetera. So you can find more information about us there. And if you're interested more in about our clinic outreach and, and becoming a client and, and coming on and seeing us, you can visit me at drpeterosborn.com. And there's a big tab there that says Origins Healthcare. That's our clinic. You just click on that tab. You can learn more about what we're doing here. Well, thanks so much again, Dr. Osborne. You are certainly an expert in inflammation and just uh, really appreciate you being a part of this summit and just everything that you're doing for the functional medicine community and the natural healing world and uh, getting this message out. So thanks again for being a part of this. And for all the listeners, I want to leave you with this last thought. That fasting truly can unlock the dormant healing potential within you. It's safe, it's powerful, and it just might transform your life. We'll see you in a future interview. Be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, 
then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.